circle of abundance earlier I would have put in my book just came to you just spur the moment wow that's a everybody say circle of abundance I love it I love it all right praise the Lord well good to see you all this morning bright-eyed and bushy-tailed look at you you all got up early amazing amazing so you might be sleeping this afternoon not in church right Praise the Lord. Well, let's get to our word this morning. Um, I've entitled my sermon, Authority and Power, the Keys to Victory. And you're all trying to guess what the word was during the last week. And people told me, faith, love, prayer. And they're all good. All of those words are good. But specifically what God spoke to me on that uh, 28th of February in the nighttime, Monday night, um, and I was quite asleep when he began to speak to me, and he began to quote scriptures to me um, about authority, different things in the scriptures. He he would speak to me about situations in the Bible um, about the subject of authority. And, uh, you know, the interesting thing is I thought to myself when I I woke up, obviously I spoke back to him in my sleep, but uh, I woke up and I thought, this is so interesting. Why would he want me to study further on the subject of authority? Because I've been living it and teaching it for 45 years, the believer's authority, surely. But you know what I, I realized? <clears throat> I had been running a little empty spiritually. I, I feel like uh, the world has been beating me up a little. And uh, just the circumstances... Uh, kind of getting to me and, uh, you know, you pray and you come against it, you pray you come against it, but somehow faith leaks and I feel like one of those birthday balloons that are two weeks old. <laughs> and, and uh, you know, the, the, the string is there, but it's actually not even floating, it's down here. <laughs> I should have thrown it away long ago. And, and you pop it, it doesn't even make a noise, it just fsss when you pop it. Anybody feel somewhat like that? All right, so we're in good company. So I realized that what God was trying to do to me was to help me get over that situation so that I can rebuild my faith and get back to the place where my balloon is fully pumped. You know what I'm saying? Put some helium in, into it. You know, get it up there in the sky. You know, Let it go and let it sit on the roof. Stay up there. So that's what I I felt like God was doing to me. So uh, if you'd come with me this morning, let's journey into this, the subject of authority, and you'll see why I've actually called the the topic authority and power, the keys to victory. You know, it started off with authority, but when God starts dealing with you and like he did with me, and then I began to search and study and go back, it grows doesn't just stay down there, it grows. It gave me the key to start it going, and it's, it's expanded, right? You know, it's expanded. So we've got uh, authority and power, the keys to victory. So let's start. Let's, I want you to look at something here. When Satan came to Jesus and he tempted Jesus, I want us to read here in Luke chapter 4 and verse 5. It said, Then the devil taking him, that would be Jesus, on a high mountain. And he showed him all the kingdoms of the world in a moment of time. Now, I don't know if you've uh, actually read this word by word, the way I read the scriptures. I'm a very slow reader, so I read everything just one word at a time. Um, and when it says all, I looked that up in the Greek, and it actually means all. So that's, that's, a, that's a tough one. Um, But he showed me all, what he showed Jesus, all the kingdoms of the world. Now notice this. He didn't show him the wealth. He didn't show him the the lands and 
whatever else was going down there and the cattle and the stuff like that. He showed him the kingdoms. Do you see that? He showed him the kingdoms. And he showed him in a moment of time. There was like a supernatural thing right there. He said, in a moment of time, he showed him all the kingdoms. Now, now watch very carefully. Watch very carefully. The devil said to him, all this authority. One more time, I looked it up in the Greek. Tell me what it means. There you go. He says, all this authority I will give you and their glory, for this has been delivered to me. And I give it to whomever I wish. So the devil told Jesus that all the authority of all the kings in the world belong to him. Is that what he said? Jesus didn't turn and say, you lying devil, shut your mouth. How dare you lie to me like that? Did Jesus challenge him on that? No. So Jesus agreed. Yes, he did. You either challenge or you agree. So Jesus agreed. You follow, the devil was tempting Jesus. He was tempting him. If he didn't have all the authority of all the kingdoms, it would not be a temptation. Because that's why Jesus had come, to get back the authority. And Satan was offering it to him without dying. He don't have to go to the cross. I'll give it to you. It's mine to give to whoever I want to. So the one thing I want you to do, just one thing, if you worship me, just worship before me, it will all be yours. You see, that's what the devil is doing today to people in the church or out of church. It doesn't matter. He's offering you the world. And he just says, all I want is worship me. Just one more, just one time. Just give him the praise and honor you should give to God. Just, just, just let him know that you think he's wonderful. So I would never do that to the devil. Well, you may be thinking that you wouldn't actually physically say that to him, but then perhaps our actions and sometimes our words infer. They might just infer. I mean, I've heard these pop stars, and they worship the devil because the devil's promising them the world, right? And that's exactly what's going on here. But Jesus didn't even challenge him on it. Now, let me show you the Greek word for the word authority that was used here. And I really did look it up in the Greek. So I've put it up here on the screen for you. Exousia is the Greek word for the word authority that was used here. And it means a privilege, force, capacity, potent, potentate, authority, jurisdiction, power, right, control, delegated influence. That is what Satan said he had over the world. He had the privilege, he had the force, capacity, potentate, authority, jurisdiction, power, right, control, delegated influence. And he offered Jesus this. So my question is, where did Satan get this? Where did Satan get this? And the first thing is this that people would think is, well, he's an angel. Don't angels have power and authority? Surely. I mean, we've We've, we've heard about angels doing things. We've seen the Bible and them doing miraculous things. Surely, because he's an angel, he's a fallen angel, but still doesn't he have, well, you know, it's a good question. The problem is that they don't have it. And Satan got it, as you rightly said, by deceiving Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden into surrendering their authority to him. So he stole man's authority. But he had to deceive man first into yielding up that authority. So angels do not have 
authority, except if God gives them a particular task. I want you to go and do this and do that, then they have the authority to perform that task. Now, they do have power. They do have power. That's inherent power. They have that. God doesn't have to give that to them every time he sends them uh, to do something. So they have the power, but they don't have the authority. So this, is, so this is, makes the difference. So let me just let me help you understand something here. Um, power is the ability or the capacity to do something. Okay? But authority is the right to do something. It is the legal right to do something. They differ. Let me give you a simple example. Most people have the capacity or the ability to drive a car. You have that. But unless you have a valid license, driver's license, you don't have the right or the legal right to drive the car. See that? So you could have the power, but not the right. You could have the capacity, but not the authority. Got it? And that's the situation with the angels. So now, <clears throat> only, only man and God, only man and God have both. And the reason is that we were created in God's image. So what God has, we got. We created His image. The angels were not created in His image. So we have both power and authority. Now, what Satan wanted was that Godlike characteristic, that ability to have authority, which is, comes from God, he didn't get it, as, even as an archangel. But he wanted it. He wanted it. And so this is part of the reason why he hates man. Because man got what he wanted. Remember the Bible says that he wanted to be like God, He said, I'm going to exalt my throne so I can be like God. What was he wanting to be like God? He had almost everything except the authority. But now we see that he says he has it, and Jesus didn't deny it. So let's go back to the book of the beginning, the book of Genesis, and quickly see how that God gave man this authority in the very beginning when he created him. And let's have a look at Genesis chapter 1, verse 26, and God said, let us make man in our own image, plural for God, plural for God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, okay, plural, let us make man in our image, after our likeness, and let them have dominion, everybody say dominion, Dominion. over the fish of the sea, over the fowls of the air, over the cattle, and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps upon the earth. So know this, God gave you dominion over creeps. Okay, don't let creeps bug you, all right? Just say, listen, creep, get out of my life. That word dominion, that word dominion is this word to rule, to tread down, and to have lordship over. So this is what God gave Adam in the garden. He gave him dominion. He gave him the ability to rule, the power to tread down, and to have lordship. The Amplified Bible expands it. If you look at the same verse in the Amplified Bible, it says he gave them complete authority. Do you see that? He gave them complete authority. So just expanded it a little more. Now what happened in the garden when Adam disobeyed God and yielded to Satan's temptation, what happened? I'm going to give you three things that happened, okay? <clears throat> the first thing that happened um, was that when Adam sinned, he died spiritually. Remember, God said to him, in dying, you will die. He didn't die physically. Initially, it took him over 900 years to die. But the first thing that happened, being separated from God, he died spiritually. So he was separated. That's what spiritual death is, being separated from God. Okay? First thing that happened, he died spiritually. The second thing that happened is that he yielded and gave over the authority and dominion that he had in the earth. He gave it over to the tempter, to Satan. Satan stole it from him. Okay? Satan stole it from him. Now, the third thing that happened, and all of those who have been to Bible college 
know exactly where I'm going to go on the third one. But for you who haven't, let me just say this. I like to picture a sci-fi movie with a portal. You know how portals go from one side of the world to the other universe, those portals? Well, this is what happened. When Adam sinned, he opened up a portal between this earth and the kingdom of darkness. And the kingdom of darkness came rushing through that portal, led by Satan's spirit, and what he brought in with him was the kingdom of darkness, followed by sin, followed by death. Death followed sin. Unless there was sin, there's no death. <clears throat> That's why God said to Adam, in sinning you'll die. That's where it starts. And then if you read the New Testament, it clearly speaks about if you sin, you're going to die. Right? So death followed sin. Now when that force of sin came through the portal into our universe, into our earth, it corrupted everything. All the animals, all the plants, all the insects, all the uh, weather patterns, everything was corrupted and all man born after that would be born in sin, already corrupted and already dead and separated from God. No man after that was born connected to God like Adam was. You got it? That is the reason why the Holy Spirit had make Mary pregnant. Otherwise, Jesus would have been born in sin. But he wasn't born in sin because the Holy Spirit impregnated him. Are you with me or has it gone too deep already? I wasn't going to go this deep. It was going to be a simple, uh, you know, like God spoke with me, you know, thing. <laughs> All right, okay. Well, if you can stand a little more, let's go a little deeper. Okay, so um, how did the devil seduce Adam and Eve to giving up their authority and to sin? How did he do it? Well, <clears throat> two ways. I'm counting in numbers this week. It's maybe easier to follow. Two things he did, two things he did, okay? The first thing he did was that he got Adam and Eve to believe that God was withholding something from them. That he didn't have their best interests at heart. He was withholding something from them. And you see, that's what happens in parenting. Parents, when you try and correct the child, the child sometimes thinks that the parent is withholding good times. You're withholding something from me. You don't really love me. If you did love me, you'd buy me, you know, a double-double. Not just, not just a single. You'd buy me the happy meal, not, a, not, not the unhappy meal. Whatever. Okay, eat your broccoli. That's the unhappy meal. So the first thing is, the first thing is that Satan deceived them. You know, God is not being honest with you. God is really, he's holding back from you. He doesn't want you to be like him. That was the first thing. The second thing is this, he got Adam and Eve to doubt God's word. Hath God said? Did God really say? And see, here's the problem when you don't know what God said. When you don't know what the Bible says, it's very, very easy for Satan to come along and mess in your life. Very easy. You know, I, you'll, you'll hear people say this all the time. No, well, God gave me this sickness. He's trying to teach me something. And you see, you err not knowing the scriptures. That's why Satan has got that in there because you don't know what the word of God says. And so now you think that the sickness is God's plan for you to make you a better person. Well, all I could say is, hurry up and learn before you die, sweetie. And if you think God has given you the sickness to make you a better person, why are you being so wicked as to go to a doctor and ask the doctor to help you fight God's plan? If he is really trying to teach you through the sickness, then learn, lay down, learn. 
whatever it be. Come on, God, teach me. That's it. How wicked can you be to get the innocent doctor involved fighting your sin, fighting the plan God's got for your life? That's, that's rubbish. We don't believe that at all. We don't believe that. It's just stuff that comes out of your mouth. It comes out of your mouth because you know what the Bible says. So you see, Satan spoke them out of believing the Word. And listen, how many of you think Satan's doing that right now? Oh, yeah. I mean, this is what he's about all the time. He's trying to get us to think this way so that he can have an end. All right, so what was God's purpose in creating man? I'm still on the subject of authority, trust me. What is the purpose for God trusting, uh, uh, creating man? Well, we find in Psalm 8, verse 6, you have made him to have dominion. Now, you could read that like you've made him and given him dominion. Or you could read it like this. You have made him to have dominion. And then that, did that work? So you've made him for the purpose of having dominion. You've made him for the purpose of ruling and reigning. Okay? Over what? Over the works of your hands. Holy smokes. You've made God, God made man for the purpose of ruling over the works of God's hands. You have put some things under his feet. Say what? Come on, say what? You're nearly getting, nearly getting it. Say all. There you go. See that? It's not hard to speak English. You put all things under his feet. All things under his feet. So what is the word dominion? You've made him to have dominion. Guess what it means? To reign, to cause, to rule, to have power. Well, who is the scripture talking about? Talking about man. Watch this. Let's back up just two verses, the same psalm, Psalm 8, verse 4 now, same psalm. What is man that you're mindful of him and the son of man that you visit him? You have made him a little lower than the angels and have crowned him with glory and honor. Well, here's a problem in translation. You see, I looked up that word angel, angels. And this is what the word angels here is. It is Elohim. That is the word translated angels. Where do we first see the word Elohim in the Bible? We actually see it in Genesis 1 and verse 1, the very first verse of the Bible. In the beginning, God, Elohim, created the heaven and the earth. The very, very first time we see it. So we have a rule interpreting Scripture. When something appears for the first time, it's called the rule of first usage. That word there, Elohim, should be translated God. And over 2,300 times it is. Let me remind, 2,300 times the word Elohim is translated as God. Why would they translate God as angel? Because they couldn't get their minds around it. They couldn't grip it. It was like, no, no, can't be that. All 40 of us working in the translation agree. Couldn't be talking about that. Yeah, it is talking about that because that's exactly what it says. It says God made man a little lower than himself. Far superior to the angels. Far superior to the angels. So you see, when Adam surrendered to Satan, he surrendered that authority to the devil. And this is what believers are doing right now. We are surrendering our authority to the devil. He is stealing it from us by deceiving us into believing that he is more powerful than we are and we are yielding to him. Now, Jesus ministered in this dominion and this authority when he was on the earth. Do you remember how he calmed the storm? He just, the storm was, the waves were breaking in the boat. Remember that? And he got up and he spoke to the wind and the waves and everything hushed. Do you remember what his disciples said in Mark 4 and verse 41? They said, they were terrified and they asked each other, who is this? Even the wind and the waves obey him. Wow. 
So he had authority over nature. That was the works of God's hands, was it not? Now, in Mark 1 and verse 27, the Scripture says, They were all amazed, so that they questioned amongst themselves, saying, What is this? What new doctrine is this? With authority, there's the word exousia, that he commands even the unclean spirits, and they obey him. So the winds and the waves obey him. Demonic spirits obey him. Now let's look at another one. Matthew 21, 23. Now when they came into the temple, the chief priests and the elders of the people confronted him as he was teaching and said, By what authority, exousia, are you doing these things? And who gave you this authority? So the miracles that were happening, the chief priests, Sanhedrin elders, recognized that he couldn't do it without authority. Somebody gave him authority. Say somebody. somebody. Turn and tell your neighbor, somebody. somebody. Somebody gave him authority. Where did you get this authority? How could you be doing these things? And you know the rest of the story. Jesus didn't tell them. But why were these, why were these chief priests and the Sanhedrin and the elders, why were they so obsessed with this authority? Because, you see, they operated in the level of authority. And in Scripture, the chief priests had God-given authority. So what was being threatened was their authority by another authority. They go, who are you, man? You're threatening our authority. And this led to jealousy, and they go, no, we can't tolerate this. We're going to have to kill him. It doesn't matter that he's doing all these good things. You know, all, all the walking on water and calming storms and healing the people. No, 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 no. It doesn't matter he's doing all these things. He is challenging our authority. And they, that was a demon, demon-possessed uh, statement, wasn't it? That, that's where it's coming from. So understand something. The devil is going to challenge your authority until the day you go to be with Jesus. He is never, ever going to roll over and say, Okay, you win. You've got to understand that, okay? So these were people that were challenging his authority. Now, Jesus delegated his authority to his disciples. He sent them out on a mission trip. And in order for them to be successful on the mission trip, he had to give them authority. So he delegated authority to them, but he had to do this by faith. He had to do it by faith because he hadn't been to the cross yet. He hadn't got back man's authority. So he was giving the authority he was operating in, the anointing he was operating in, he gave it to them by faith. And this is what he said to them in Luke 10, verse 19. Behold, I give you authority, exousia, to trample on serpents and scorpions and over all the power. Guess what? The power is exousia. That's the Greek word. So it could have, should have read, Behold, I give you authority to trample on serpents, which... Talking about demon, demon spirits and scorpions and over all the authority of the enemy. I'm giving you a greater authority than the devil has. You see, this Jesus gave to them prior to the cross, but now since the cross, post-cross, all of us as believers have that authority. We have it. We have access to that authority. He gave it to the 12 or the 70 to send them out, but now we all have it because of what Jesus did. I want to explain something to you here. Um, I said to you he gave it to them by faith before he went to the cross. Um, you see, faith is not subject to time. It's not subject to time. Faith, faith, when you believe God for something and you have a miracle that happens, what happened is that time was taken out of the picture. It sped up so quickly. So you believe in God for a healing, and it might take one day or two days, but it should have taken seven days. The time period was shortened. So what faith did was faith reduced the time. Okay, faith reduced the time. Now, if you get prayed for and you get an instant miracle, bam, right there, instantly, faith, was, faith jumped over time, removed time, and you have got an instant manifestation. So faith is not subject to time. Are you with me now? All right, so it's not subject to time. So um, 
It transcends time. It transcends time. And this is what Jesus did. Jesus knew he was going to die on the cross. And after dying on the cross, all authority would be given to man. He knew that. So what he did is by faith took a hold of what was coming and brought it into the now. And that's exactly what faith does. Whatever you need might be in your future, but you can grab a hold of it by faith and pull it into the now. With me? All right, let's get back to authority. Tracing a rabbit trail here. So let me give you an example of authority, an example that we might all use. A durable power of attorney for health, all right, for health decisions. Caring for, for someone is delegated authority. <clears throat> A durable power of attorney, if you haven't heard of it, for health care decisions. Now, I know about this because I've had to deal with it for years. Every time I try and pay one of the accounts, it's in Jackie's name, or oh, what's your number, what's your social, we've got to check if you have authority. I'm paying the account. Now, we've got to find out authority. Do you have authority to pay the account? Where do you live? What's your social? How old are you? What's your relationship to her? Gosh, people. So, I'm going to tell you a story. <clears throat> On the 28th of April, 1999, Jackie had a very severe stroke. She lost the uh, left hemisphere of the brain. She has half a brain now. In fact, it's slightly more than that. It's slightly more than 50% was lost. And she was in the hospital. She couldn't see. She couldn't speak. And uh, she was on all the pipes to keep her alive. I see you. And the doctors wanted to operate on her because... The damaged portion of her brain had begun to swell and was crushing the good hemisphere into the inner wall. And they said, she's got two hours to live. Unless we operate and cut a hole in her head so it can swell out, the brain can swell out. Otherwise, it's going down her spine. And it's, your spine is a closed unit, sealed. You can't take pressure down there, you will die. And so they said to me, she's, she's going to die. She's got two hours to live. We need to do this operation. So I went in. Cindy was there. Hayne was there. Uh, Jackie's sister. As many relatives as we could were there. Ingrid. And we prayed about it. And we said, what do you think we should do? And we decided that Jackie would not want to live if this heroic surgery went wrong. If they cut a nerve in her face. And she would not want to live like that. She was, she's very vain. She's always been vain. Okay? She's vanity knows no pain. So she did whatever she could to look pretty. You know, even tattoo lines on your mouth. You try that? Try that? Any girls ever had tattoo lines on your mouth? No? Don't. Okay? Or your eyelids. Try eyelids. Have had tattoos on your eyelids? Any girls done tattoos on your eyelids? We've got three brave sausages in the front here. <laughs> what, what would you say to the rest of the people? Don't do it, right? Don't do it. Okay. And then if, see, if it didn't work, you go back and get a free treatment. Yeah. Nothing free about that kind of pain. <laughs> anyway, so she didn't want... So <clears throat> we had to make the decision. And because we had a durable power of attorney in place that was put in place six weeks prior, was in our living trust. All living trusts should have this. So we had it in our living trust. And I said, you can't operate. I had to take the living trust to the doctors and show them what it said. And I had the authority to stop them from operating. Now I'm going to read you extracts from this living trust. This is what the durable power of attorney says. I, Jackie Vormerans, hereby appoint Henry Vormerans as my agent. This document gives the person who's designated as your agent, the attorney in fact, the power to make health care decisions for you. Your agent must act consistently with your desires as stated in this document or otherwise made known. This document, listen carefully now, 
this document gives your agent power to consent to your doctor or uh, uh, not giving treatment or stopping treatment necessary to keep you alive. That's life and death decisions. This document gives your agent authority to consent, to refuse to consent, or to withdraw consent to any care, treatment, service, or procedure to maintain, diagnose, or treat a physical or mental condition. So, this document signed by her gave me delegated authority, like Jesus gave his disciples. Delegated authority to act on her behalf as if it was her acting. I could make the decisions. So I told the doctor, we're not going to operate. And he left. Well, a few minutes later, he returned. Well, Hain returned. I didn't know this was going on. And the doctor and the nurse and Hain, our son, had gone in to speak with Jackie. She's blind, and she can't speak. And the doctor wakes her and says to her, Mrs. Vormons, you've had a very severe stroke. We've got to operate on you, or you will die. We need your permission because your husband won't permit it. He asks her to overrule this document. And she looks up with her eyes open and she speaks. And she says, my husband will make the call. And she goes blind and mute again. One minute, less than a 30 seconds, she opened her eyes and she spoke. Total miracle. Total miracle. She never did speak properly again, ever. But she spoke properly at that time. And she lost 50% of her vision, but at that time she was completely blind. And the man was so mad. The doctor was so mad. Well, while I'm standing with the the rest of the family, Hain comes to me and says, Dad, let me tell you what happened. I said, what happened? He said, what's going on? He said, Mom said, you must make the call. I said, the call about what? He said, she woke up and she spoke with the doctor. And she said, you must make the call whether you have the operation. I fell on the floor in the hospital. I fell on the floor right there in the passage. And the reason was I knew that Jackie and I had a love relationship. We've been married 27 years at that time. What I didn't know is how much she trusted me to make decisions on her behalf, live or die. And that is what this document is. God has given you that power of attorney so you can rule on this earth and make decisions in this earth, live or die. I'll tell you another story if you've got time. Okay. Since we started early today. So there's a young man. Let's call him Shane. Because that was his name anyway. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, We were newly saved. We had no children yet. We were literally saved six, seven, eight months, maybe like, maybe ten months. And we were at a camp meeting, uh, and we talk camp meeting. We're not talking a beautiful hotel, Ritz-Carlton camp meeting. I'm talking about a bush. The only building was a cement block building, and you slept in tents, you know, or in your car. We're talking real camp. That's camp. Okay, so anyway, um, there was this guy, Shane, and uh, he was weird and demon-possessed. He was about 19 years old, really buff character, lived on a farm with his parents. And uh, so he'd be driving along with his parents, with his dad on the, you know, in the truck and everything, and suddenly he'd just jump out of the truck, roll in dirt, and disappear for two days. Um, he would smoke a lot. Back then, it was smoking grass, marijuana, whatever you call the stuff. That's what he was smoking. But, I mean, there was things that were seriously wrong with him. Uh, he, he would chop the legs off of the fowl, fowl, and then he would take the claws and, and rip his flesh with the blood and take the blood and fear it, smear it in his face. There was severely something wrong with him, you know, totally demon, yeah. Mm-hmm. So his parents bought him a beautiful Thompson's Bible, changed his Bible, which he tore with his bare hand, tore it up, okay? They bought him a guitar hoping that he would play a, you know, Kumbaya song and get himself healed. But he broke the guitar and, you know, smashed it. So he's at the camp because he's now got a girlfriend in our church who was a friend of ours. 
Who are you dating? <laughs> Do you know that he cuts chicken's legs off? <laughs> he says he's a Christian, but he tears Bibles up. Anyway, so I got a message that he wants to talk to me. Shane wants to talk with me. I said, well, this is cool. Obviously, I knew he wasn't saved. But uh, so we met in uh, a sozo hut, okay? It's a com- concrete walls and stuff. You know what I'm talking about, huh? A uh, like a little bungalow, okay? So I met there. It was around about lunchtime, so I was waiting for him to come. And he comes in, and he closes the door behind him, locks the door. I go, uh-oh, that's not good. <laughs> no, 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 that's not good. Now, you understand something. I was very, very thin. Not like I am today. Very proud of what I've become. It's taken a lot of hard work and many hours on the sofa to get to this. So I'm not going to give it up easily. But back then, I was thin. I mean, I would stand sideways, put my tongue out, look like a zipper. I used to run around the shower to get wet. When we designed my suit, I had this beautiful suit with a big fat tie made, and my tailor said, uh uh-uh. uh, it was Indian tailor. He said, No, you can't do that. Why not? He said, We cannot see you behind the tie. I can't see you. <laughs> okay, enough. This guy, this this guy looked like Craig. Craig, go ahead and stand up. Go ahead. So he looked like this guy. He, yeah, yeah, you used to look bigger. Let me ask uh, <laughs> Let me Chris, Chris, stand up. Okay. This is a better example. There we go. There we go. Okay. I love you, Craig. I know you can take it. Get back to gym, okay? So, so he walks in. He walks in. He closes the door behind him, and he, goes, he comes walking to me, and he says, drops you, and says, I'm going to kill you. I go, so what have I done to you? No, I didn't. I said, no, you're not. And I'm backed up against the wall. So he comes to morning and he put his hands out. He says, I am going to kill you. So I know it wasn't him talking. I could hear the voice. It changed. And there was this total demonic voice coming. I said, in the name of Jesus, back up. And he backed up a little bit like this. But then he came again. And I'm coming to kill. I said, in the name of Jesus, come out of him. And he just went to the floor like a wet rag. This thing is right out of him. And I knelt down, you know, knelt down next to him and prayed led him to Christ. We got him filled with the Holy Spirit that night. Amen. Amen. The point is I was operating in delegated authority. I was only about 10 months old in the Lord. I wasn't in the ministry. I didn't have a lot of anything behind me. All I knew was the name of Jesus. And I used the name of Jesus against him. What else are you going to use, right? No way I'm going to fight the guy. He's going to beat me up and he's got demons on his side too. No way. So we used the name of Jesus, used that authority, and, it, and hallelujah, he, he, he was defeated. All right. Praise God. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Now, you see, uh, when Jesus defeated Satan on the cross, he took back man's authority. Look at this. In Matthew 28 and verse 18. And Jesus came and spoke to them, saying, all. There's that word all again. Look at that. All authority. Everybody say All. All authority, and guess what that word authority means? Oh, I gave it away. There's a test question up on the wall. All authority has been given to me, yeah, in heaven and in earth. Same word, dominion, all authority. So, if all authority has been given to Jesus, then somebody has none. Are you out there? You're going home. If he has it all, somebody has none. Who's the none? Who's got the none? Satan's got the none. We'll say it again. If Jesus has got it all, then the devil has none. However, the devil wants you to believe that he has more power and authority than we do. Doesn't he? Yeah. Don't you believe for a minute not even a minute, that the kingdom of darkness is equal to the kingdom of light. He wants you to believe that His kingdom is equal to, or maybe even greater and stronger than our kingdom. Don't let the devil lie to you. Don't. And listen to me. If you are afraid of demons, you err because you don't know the power of the Scriptures and of God. 
That would be the only reason that you'd be afraid of demons. Because you don't know who you are in Christ, the authority that you've got, or the power of the kingdom. So you say, well, don't say that. The devil might hear you. You mean don't say that Putin might hear you? Hello? We're afraid to say something in case an adversary hears us. Well, you're never going to get the devil to shut up until you say it. Got to say it. Right? So don't allow yourself to be impressed with the works of the devil or the lies that demons have powers. You need to look down on the devil and up at Jesus. Always. Well, I had more that I wanted to say. I'd prepared it, but I see my time is up. Uh -huh. <laughs> How many says, oh? Not enough of you. Oh, louder. All right, since you got up early this morning. I'm going to give you one more, one more uh, uh, story scripture thing, and then we'll quit, okay? I want to talk to you about the revelation and per prophetic power that happened in Caesarea Philippi. Now, Jesus took his disciples on a road trip to Caesarea Philippi, and it's at the base of Mount Hermon. Now, Mount Hermon has got a, it, it's a rocky cliff. It's a very high mountain, snow-capped, because it's rocky face in, uh, in it. And uh, this rocky <coughs> cliff-like face is actually called the Rock of the Gods. And uh, it's because many shrines have been chiseled into the rock face. And uh, in honor of all kinds of gods, like the god Pan, for, who is the, 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 the god Pandemonium, all right? Um, and the god Zeus, they've, they've got shrines to them. And then also um, the god Nemesis. Nemesis, the, the, the name Nemesis speaks of the god of revenge. It speaks of, of the god of, uh, of anger and retribution and arch enemy. So all of these were chiseled in. Now, there was this massive cave in this rock, and out of this cave came a, a gushing stream. Now, what, what the people believed was that through this cave, all right, there was entrance to the dark underworld, and Baal would make his entrance and exit to the underworld through this. This is what they believed. I'm just telling you what they believed. We, we, don't, we don't believe that. But they called that cave the gates of hell. All right? So it was a very bad place. And uh, what... What would happen is that uh, uh, people would come there uh, to worship Pan, for example, and they would partake in bizarre sexual acts in front of the cave, in front of everybody. And then they would actually chisel these into, you know, decorate the face of the wall this way. And uh, it was a disgusting place, uh, far worse than any American city, far worse than Vegas could ever be. Now, why, why would Jesus take his disciples to Caesarea Philippi? Now, we're going to read the story. Okay? So here we go. In Matthew 16, 13, Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, and he asked his disciples, who do people say the Son of Man is? And they replied, some say John the Baptist, and others say Elijah. And still others say Jeremiah of one of the prophets. This is, he's standing by this cave, by the rock, and he says, who do people say that I am? And then they answer, and then he says, but who do you say that I am? See, this is the question everybody's going to have to answer. It's not about who somebody else says Jesus is, it's who do you say he is? Who do you say he is? If anybody had to ask you, who is Jesus to you? What would you say? So Peter says, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. And he says, you know what? Nobody, nobody uh, told you that. No man told you that. You got that straight as a revelation from God the Father. Great revelation. Yes, I am the son of the living God. And then he says to him, 
Blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for this was not revealed to you by man, but by my Father. And I tell you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades. Points at the gate, at the thing. Will not overcome it. It will not overcome it. So what he's saying, is he brought him to this horrific place. And he says, if you understand that I am the Christ, then nothing the devil ever does will overcome you. The gates of hell will never overcome you if you understand that I am the Christ, the Son of the living God. You see, some people think that he was saying to Peter, you're the rock. Because Peter just said something, and then he says to him, on this rock, I will build my church. But the name Peter means stone. It actually means stone in the Greek. Or pebbles, yeah, stones. So what Jesus was doing, he was contrasting. The rock he was talking about was a huge, massive rock referring to the kingdom of God. On this rock, but actually he was talking about the rock of Revelation. The Revelation was that he is the Christ. And he was saying, on this revelation that I am the Christ, I will build my church. Not on Peter, the first pope. Not on Peter. He is not the rock. He's the stone. So I'm going to build my church on this rock. And the rock is that I am the Christ, the revelation that I am the Christ. If you do not believe that Jesus is the Christ, you're not part of the church. Church universal. I'm not talking denomination now. You with me so far? All right. Good. Glad you say you're staying right there. So um, now he says to him, I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Does this like, sound like authority? Uh-huh. Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Now notice this. He didn't say to Peter, I'm giving you the keys to the kingdom. He didn't say that. He said, I'm giving you the keys of. Of. Just one little word. I mean, just one little letter. Just the F versus a T. And it makes a huge difference. You see, if I'm giving you the keys to my house, you can come in and go because you have the keys to my house. If Jesus was giving us the keys to the kingdom that we could go in and take other people with us in and out the kingdom, keys to the kingdom. He didn't say that. He said, I'm giving you the keys of the kingdom. What are the keys of the kingdom? Power and authority. If you have the keys, you can use the kingdom. You can use the keys the kingdom uses, power and authority, to rule on this earth to bring healing, to bring deliverance, to live a victorious life. I'm going to give you the keys how to live in this earth and in this life a kingdom life. The keys of the kingdom, not to the kingdom. He says this to him right there in front of the mountain. This mountain just happened to be the mountain on which the transfiguration took place. This is Mount Hermon. This is where it took place. This is where Moses appears, who had overcome Pharaoh, knocked his teeth out, and Elijah appears, who had beat 450 prophets of Baal. Do you remember that, Mount Carmel? These two warriors are there, and Jesus is there, who's about to beat the hell out of Satan. I didn't swear, that's exactly what happened. They're there. And what Jesus wanted his disciples to know was that no matter what the devil throws at you, no matter what comes against you, I want you to understand that the gates of hell will not prevail against you. If you will believe I'm the Christ, you're going to walk in this authority that comes from heaven. Kingdom authority, kingdom power is yours today. Rule in it. Rule in it in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, praise the Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for the grace to co continue for five more minutes. All right, I have another ten. No, just kidding. Just kidding. Just kidding. We'll, you'll have to wait for next week, okay? I had to cut my sermon in half. I said, okay, good. Where do I cut it? Cut it to the gates of hell. Okay, I'll cut it there. 
Father, we thank you for your precious word. We thank you for showing us the authority and the power that you want us to walk in and how Jesus got it back from Satan and gave it back to us freely. And you've given us the keys of the kingdom. Oh, Lord, help us to understand how to use these keys effectively in our life that we might walk in the power and the victory that you planned for us. Thank you for all that you've done. Now, Lord, right now, our heart goes out to any person who might be here this morning or listening online who has yet to turn their life over to Jesus, trying to do life on their own, trying to overcome the works of the devil without God's help. Dear friend, I'm praying If you know in your life the devil is kicking you about, you know that there's things in your life that you have not been able to get victory over. You'd say the devil's winning. You may be at the point that I said when I opened up the sermon this morning that it was running on fumes, that balloon was deflated. And you're trying to walk in victory, whether it's with your personal spiritual life, your family life, it doesn't matter. You need God's help. You need to turn your life over to Jesus with everything, everything. Kneel before Him. Ask Him to save you. Ask Him to deliver you. Ask Him to give you that power and authority freely that you can walk in victory in this life. If you need to give your life to the Lord or you need prayer, as I've just mentioned, wherever you are, just wave your hand at me. I'm going to pray for you. Just wave your hand at me. You need God to help you. You need to give your life to Jesus. You need to be saved. Come on. You need to have the power of God in your life. It's the Holy Spirit. Thank you for those hands that have gone out. You need prayer today because you know you've been running on fumes. Life has been overcoming you. Just You want an infusion. We're going we're gonna to lay hands upon you and trust God for a, an event in your life, a supernatural event, a God encounter. Fill you in Jesus' name. Now I'm going to have everybody stand real quiet. And if you are responding to prayer, I want you to come on down. I want to have my ministry team. These are qualified ministers. Can pray for healing, can pray for the Holy Spirit, can pray for salvation, can impart an anointing to you. Whatever you have need of, do not leave today without getting that touch. Your faith is high. Your faith is high. Avail yourself of this moment. So if you're going to come down, would you come down now before I dismiss the church service? If you're coming for prayer, come on down right now. Come on down right now. Ladies, go to ladies, please. Guys, go to guys. Come on down. I'll give you just one more moment to come. Just one more moment. Very, very, very powerful moment. Very, very powerful moment. We're operating in the authority and the power of the kingdom of heaven. Come on down right now. Come on down right now. Just give us a moment. Can we turn the music up a little bit? Thank you. That's perfect. Thank you. Thank you, Lord. 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 Hallelujah. 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 Thank you, Lord Jesus.
Thank you, Lord. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. All right. I'm going to dismiss you in the power and authority of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Walk in victory. Give the devil a rough time this week. Make him sorry that he got up tomorrow morning. Okay? Make him sorry. Okay? In your prayer time, you speak harshly to the devil. Have a great week. We will see you next week. We'll continue the subject on power and authority to have victory. God bless you for coming out. Have a great day. Anybody else wants prayer? Yeah, go ahead and give the Lord a praise. Mm -hmm.